Good morning, I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I want to invite you to this special summer worship celebration. Ready Vacation Bible School friends? One, two, three. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. Yay! The reading comes from chapter 16 of Exodus, beginning with verse 2. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the flesh pots in Egypt and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are continuing our reading of the Gospel of John. If you remember last week, uh, we talked about an experience together. Again, the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus coming to the disciples in their boat, uh, walking on water. Right after that, we continue here. John 6, 24. Listen for the word of the Lord. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
for it is on him that God the Father has sent his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, what sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today's simple question that will comprise our focus is, for what do you hunger? What are you hungry for? When we're talking about physical food, my palate is simple. I like simple southern comfort food. Like Oprah, I too love bread. Loaf for you. You get a loaf. You get a loaf. I like chicken pot pies. I like mac and cheese. I like biscuits. All kinds. I'm not very difficult to please. But I hunger for those things, especially when things are difficult. Food is one of those places we go, isn't it? Whatever food we like. I saw an email about signs that are often found in the kitchens of people. So I'm going to read a couple of them for you. A couple of these funny sayings that you see on signs in different places. A messy kitchen is a happy kitchen, and this kitchen is delirious. (laughs) A clean house is a sign of a misspent life. Well, how about that? Thou shalt not weigh more than thy refrigerator hope that's the case. My next house will have no kitchen, just vending machines. How much easier that would be. And finally, a balanced diet is a cookie in each hand. I would agree with that as well. So today it is all about the bread. It is all about what we are hungry for. And John brings us in right after There has been this great feeding, which all four Gospels talk about, at the feeding of the 5,000, and we know there were thousands more with women and children. Bread was had by all. Kind of undertones of what we will celebrate as bread for everyone. In this miracle, a few loaves, a few fish multiplied that. We know that. We know that well. And we go right in to more conversation about bread and Jesus as the bread of life. One of the things John is known for, the Gospel of John, are the I am sayings. And those I am sayings, there are seven. One, I'm the bread of life in John 6. That's where we start today. And then he'll move to Jesus as the light of the world. And then Jesus as the gate or the door for the sheep. 
the resurrection, the truth, and the life, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life, and then finally, the true vine. Those are the seven I am sayings that Jesus is trying to explain to people so that they try and get a sense of who he is. So that's really what Jesus is trying to do. Help them have a sense of who he is. So as a good teacher, he's using other illustrations. He's using other tools. You know this, I am like this in some ways. You know that, I am like that in some ways. And today, it is about the bread. And where we pick up here in John 6, 24, again, they had just finished the feeding of the 5,000 and that day where the disciples were going across the lake and it became scary and dark, Jesus was not with them and came to them. But these, this crowd doesn't know what had happened. They were hearing about Jesus and following him and so when Jesus gets there, they say, well, where, wh- when did you get here? Because we, we, we didn't know you were coming. Why did you, what, what? Jesus is perplexing them a little bit, as Jesus does. And so they start saying, you're looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Don't work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures for eternal life. That's really the crux of today. For what do you hunger? And being good Jews, they go back to Moses. And they remember the Exodus passage that Jimmy read to you this morning, coming out of their bondage from Egypt, crossed the Red Sea into the wilderness. Yay, we're free, new life, no food. And so they start complaining to Moses and to God, You should have just left us there. We were better off as slaves in Egypt. We had more food than we have now. Let's just turn around and go back. So Moses goes to God and God says, all right, I'll take care of you because that's my promise to you. And so in the morning, it was what became known as manna. And in the evening, what was it? Quail, right. So they've got meat in the evening, and they have this weird bread-like substance in the morning. That when the dew came on the grass, somehow when the dew evaporated, this bread covered the ground. Fascinating. And God said, they don't need to store more than one day at a time. Just one day is all you need if any more, and it will rot and we'll have worms. And we people being people, they hoarded it all in that first night, and it all rot, rotted by the next day and was covered with worms and said, God, in essence, is saying, trust me, I will give you what you need every day. And God did. And they bring that up here and they say, can you do what Moses did? You're talking about bread. I heard you fed all these people. Can you do what Moses did and feed all those people the bread in the wilderness? And Jesus says, first of all, Moses did not give the bread, the manna to those people. God worked through Moses. It was God who gave them the manna. And it is God who is working now that is offering you bread from which you will never hunger. 
And we're in chapter six here. And if it sounds a little familiar in chapter four, remember the Samaritan woman at the well? There it was thirst. And Jesus will provide this this well, this living water from which you will never thirst. And of course, as we often do, we are taking Jesus literally and as they were, and there's always a spiritual component that we have to search for. Jesus is not saying, I will put bread on your plate every day. But Christ is saying there's something more than just perishable food. We know you need that, but you need this far more than that. So it's interesting that as we come out of COVID, we have experienced some amazing happenings together. And one of those was survival. Some of that was crisis mode. Our friend Ben Mathis with our mission partner, Mission Hope, when he and his organization would go into every village, every remote portion of the world and jungle, the first thing he had to do was to see what their immediate physical needs were and try to meet that before they could get to a conversation about Christ. Are they hungry? We need to feed these people. And then their minds will be open to listen. Do they need housing? Do they need clothes? Do they need medicine? Do they need schools? All of those things were first on the list. And that brings us into a conversation. How many psychology majors out there? Anybody? Laz, all right. All right, well, I want to take us into that realm for just a little bit. If you studied at all in the psychological realm, you know uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The bottom two, the purple and the green, are basic needs as humans, what we need. It is physiological needs, water, food, warmth, rest. It's what our body needs. It's what the flesh and blood need to continue on our journey day to day. And the one right above it, the green, are safety needs, security and safety. All of that was challenged to some degree through the COVID mess. Our physiological needs, what if the supply chain breaks down? What if the farmers can't farm? What if the truckers can't truck their goods and move them from points A and B? What if the trains stop? What if the electricity goes out and it's too cold or it's too hot, depending on what part of the year that we're in? Can we rest in the middle of thinking about the unknown and what's coming? And some of that was no. Some of that, the answer was yes. I saw a statistic that um, the average adult in the United States gained 15 to 20 pounds over the COVID shutdown. Why? Because we got, went to that place of safety and security sometimes, and you're stuck in your house, why not cook it up? So we had food, and we were worried about those things. Now, when those things we know were covered in a more substantial way, as we again have come out or are coming out with a foot towards what, what we're not sure what the future holds again, 
But it moves up to the next level, which is psychological needs. Belongingness and love needs, intimate relationships and friends. And what were some of the things that were suspended in a lot of ways in that time? Intimate relationships and friends. We couldn't meet in the same way. We could Zoom. And that has its purposes and helps it's better than not seeing or talking with each other in a real-time way. But intimate relationships and friends were also on the cutting block the last year. That was yellow. Then we go up to that light blue, esteem, needs, prestige, and feeling of accomplishment. Some of us had a hard time working in the same way. We had to figure things out in a different way. Whether you're retired, working, or a student, everything was done differently. And that feeling of accomplishment was difficult because when did we work and when did we not work? We're at home. You wake up at 2 a.m., you go get a drink of water, and you sit down, you work for a while, and you go back to bed. Maybe. But it was different. And then finally on the top, that self-fulfillment needs. Self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. So to get to that part... Achieving one's full potential. You have to get through these others first, starting with our basic needs at the bottom, our relationships and sense of being in the middle, so then with all of that in place, we can get to what's most important. And so what then do we hunger? Other psychologists in this realm. Sigmund Freud was a neurologist by trade, but invented psychoanalysis. That kind of conversational therapy where you go back through your past, tell me about your mother, to see what impacted your present so that you can better deal with your present and your future. And we know when to answer the question from his perspective, what do we hunger for? He would say pleasure often sexual pleasure, but our hedonistic desires are what we hunger for as human beings. Alfred Adler, another Austrian psychiatrist, said, no, it's not, it's not that, but it's power. As human beings, we strive and seek power. But the third, I agree with more. Viktor Frankl, who was in that psychological realm, also a survivor of concentration camps during World War II. Having both of those other things, those other psychologists talked about stripped away. There was no pleasure to be sought in any way. There was no power to be had in any way. Their lives were designed so that none of that existed. What he lifted up as the central thing we hunger for is meaning and purpose. And I think that's right. We often distract ourselves with the day-to-day. We often distract ourselves with those temporary hungers that we know we'll be hungry for again that don't long-term satisfy. But every once in a while, and we have a moment to sit and think and pray and we experience something a little different, I think we ask that bigger existential question, why am I here? 
What am I working for? What, what is my life? What is my purpose here? And that is the Jesus bread zone right there. Because Christ says, no, it's, it's a bread that will fill you so you will never be thirsty again. Your soul, your spirit, your life. What if we could live so we knew our meaning and our purpose? Which is to follow Christ and share His love and grace and joy with the world. To make sure that we are fed, that our needs are met, so that we can become who God created us to be, and then to help others do the same? What a joy-filled life that is. And we know often the more that we help others, the more purpose and meaningful our own lives are. And yet it's harder than doing nothing. It's easier to stay home. It's easier to snack on that stuff that gives us through temporarily, and we keep going temporary to temporary without looking at that undergirding strength of the love of Christ. And that's what he's trying to relate to this crowd. It says, Moses was then, but this is now, and God is giving you this bread from which you will never thirst. And they say, sir, give us this bread. How do I get it? Where is it? They're so wrapped up in miracles. Jesus is telling them about this kind of long-term, deep, meaningful purpose. And they say, well, what are you going to do for us? Pull the rabbit out of the hat? You got a card trick? They're all focused on the miracles. And so often are we. How many of us have said, Jesus, if you just give me all green lights, I'll know that you're there because I'm late to work. Jesus, if you could just help me win the lottery, then I'll know you're there and I will really then follow and give my life to you. Or God, if you're there, can you help my loved one with a diagnosis or myself? We test God all the time. We put this out there for God all the time and we're on that same level. Not that it's not okay to ask for what concerns us, it absolutely is. And we are called to open our hearts before God and to share what's on our hearts and our desires. But yet, when we get into that miracle mode, I'm just going to wait until there's a burning bush right in front of me that I can't dissuade or explain away in any other way to know, God, that you're there. So we set up the situation where we don't have to do anything until we experience some kind of amazing miracle that is designed just for us. And if we do that, we are putting ourselves in the same camp as those who says, Jesus, can you do a trick for me? Pull that rabbit out of your hat. And Jesus is saying, we need to get beyond that. You came because you saw the bread and you heard and you understood and, and okay, come on. But there's more to this than what meets the eye. It is the depth and love that we hunger for that depth of being, that meaning, that purpose for which God created us, to discover that Christ dwells within us, that Holy Spirit has been there and always will be, and to open ourselves and connect with that can lead us in a life that is both purposeful and meaningful. 
Legacies are defined in many ways. But to be a person of faith who passes faith, to live your life so that others look and say, that is somebody who believes and joyfully follows. That's not all easy. As a matter of fact, it should be harder, which is part of the reason we don't want to go there necessarily. But that's where the meaning and the purpose is in that depth. Katie Ledecky, how many have been watching the Olympics? Been fun. I've been, been watching. She is a female swimmer. She has done amazingly well. She is 24 from D.C. She went to Stanford, just graduated last month, well, in June, yesterday last month. And she started her Olympics in 2012 in London as a 15-year-old. 15 winning gold at the Olympics. Can you imagine? And then Rio, four years later, won more gold, some silver. She's won two gold this year, and I think one or two silver. She's known as a long-distance swimmer. Tough, it's so hard. She's won 10 medals, seven gold, three silver overall over those three Olympics. And I saw her interviewed yesterday. We were in Hendersonville, North Carolina for a, a family funeral and the interviewer said, how fulfilling is it to win gold medals? And she said, oh, it's not fulfilling to win gold medals really at all, she said. She said, what fulfills or what fills me are the relationships that I've had and the experiences that I've had as an Olympic athlete, the ability to meet people from all over the world, I have lifelong friends all over the world, my teammates, that we've gone through all of this together. Yes, the gold is nice, and certainly you want that, but it is not at the core of what she celebrates and fills her. Can you imagine that? Our focus is on that gold, isn't it? But very easy for her for, to let that become a golden calf. You put it in the special place in the house, and you come in, woo! But it's not. She has become wise enough. And maybe after that first Olympics, as a 15-year-old, she has her gold medal. She went home and did things really change? Some things did. But did that gold bring her everything that her heart wanted? Well, of course it didn't. Is she set for life? Does she have to go to school? Does she have to do everything that we ought? Well, of course she does. And I think she realized that early. To be able to wisely say, it's not all about the gold medal. I'll take it and I want it. And that's a sign of everything else. It's a symbol of my sacrifice, my family, my friends. Again, all these relationships and experiences that I've had. And God is saying the same way, don't stop at the stuff that does not satisfy. Don't stop at the shiny things. And if we're a church that stops at shiny things, then we are not making disciples. If we are a church that is living in fear because we're afraid that we don't have enough people in the seats or enough money in the bank and we are going to fold and close, then we are not making disciples. If we all get in touch with what we hunger for and if we can grow in our faith and our spiritual journey, help one another grow together, then the rest will come. 
We don't want to live as shallow Christians. We want to live as those who are fed, our souls, our spirits. Don't you want that? I know we do. So today, as we come to this table, we do so seeking the meaning and the purpose that God has placed in our hearts and lives.